Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 535 and Nirvana on Rock 102. It's going to be cloudy today. A little bit of sun in the morning, but after that, it's all clouds. And a high of 40 tonight, cloudy, low of 28. And for tomorrow, more clouds, maybe even a possibility of a snow flurry, a high of 39. 36 degrees right now in downtown Springfield. Mike Quincy from Consumer Reports will be joining us today. Pretty good chance we'll be talking about cars. Going out way on a limb on that one. So there's uh, Quincy and other stuff too. 536 and Rock 102. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 552 and the Eagles in Rock 102. It is uh, going to be mostly sunny today uh, with a high of 40 tomorrow. Snow. Snow! Uh, yeah. Only a little bit. And a high of 38. It's 37 right now in downtown Springfield. Hollywood Trash is brought to you by Aqua Pump. Do it once, do it right. Aqua Pump. How about some Hollywood Trash yeah. with Steve and yeah. Meg of the Rock? Yeah. Uh, sure. Sure, I'll do that for you. Hey, Travis Scott has officially denied that he's responsible for the 10 deaths and hundreds of injuries uh, that occurred at his Astro World Festival in Houston last month. His denial came in the form of a legal response to 11 lawsuits that name him and his companies as defendants. He asked that the claims against him be dismissed. Hey, you can't uh, do this to me. <laughs> do you have any idea who I am? Uh, Travis is expected to do this with every civil suit against him, and there are tons of them. But a motion was filed last week to combine all 275 cases that have been filed so far, since so many of them are basically the same. This would make things much more efficient and re- would require at least uh, just one judge to handle the entire thing. Now, uh, this to me doesn't really sound like anything more than a guy being uh, kind of coached by his attorneys. Yeah, don't sue me. Yeah, this is, this is maybe, I mean, he may not actually feel that way, but his lawyers are, are writing the script on this one. Oh, yeah. Well, that's usually what you do when you hire a bunch of legal experts. Hey, uh, tell them this. Even if it makes you sound like an insensitive jerk. But well, you had no part in this whatsoever. Lawyers are typically insensitive jerks, so uh, they don't care. Well, I wouldn't say every lawyer. Name name five. I can't. Yeah. I'm just afraid one's going to go after me. Uh, Jesse Smollett took the stand in his own defense yesterday and once again denied that he staged an attack against himself in 2019. If convicted, he could get up to three years in prison but more likely would be sentenced to probation and community service. I don't know if he's going to get out of that one either. No, I don't think so. And in fact, uh, the more he speaks, it's like the deeper the hole he digs. True. But, you know, he did it to get attention. It worked, though. Because here we are still talking about him. Yes, but not in the way that he probably would have wanted us to talk to him. Yeah, but he's probably one of those guys that thinks that any publicity is good publicity, even though yeah. it's really bad publicity and makes him look awful. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, have you been watching Succession? Do you watch that show? I, ha- I haven't watched this season yet. Uh, Kendall, uh, the jerky kid. Yeah. Who? Uh, the who, jerky kid. Take you, your pick. You, you saw the point. You saw the point last season where he kind of uh, blew the whole family in and was was going to talk to the feds and all this other stuff. Right. Uh, well, like. Now he's eaten up all the media spotlight, and he uh, he's watching this this late night comedian, uh, and he's turning up all the TVs in the room. And he's like, "Oh, watch, man! She's gonna, she's really gonna, she's really gonna get me." <laughs> and the comedian just starts talking about all like all his vulnerabilities, like ah, his drug use and this, and he's 
being laughed at by all these people in the room. It was very, very good. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. The Writers Guild of America has named Get Out the best screenplay of the 21st century so far. It's followed by Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and The Social Network. Which one's Get Out? Uh, that was the one with the, the Key and Peel guy. Ah! That uh, he goes up to the Key or Peel? I, d- I think it's uh, I think it's Key. Okay. I think he, what's he? He made the movie. They both made the movie. He made the movie. I think it was Peel. I think what I'm trying to show you here is yeah. I haven't seen that one. Well, anyway, uh, you should. It's really good. I guess I'm going to. Did you see it? I did. You did? Yeah. I, did you really see it or are you just saying you really no, saw it? No, I saw it. I saw it. And okay. it was pretty messed up. Too. All right. So you got to you gotta watch it. Uh, Netflix is a joke. The festival coming to L.A. for 11 days this spring. Uh, it'll include performances by 130 comedians, including Conan O'Brien, Pete Davidson, Seth Rogen, Gabriel Iglesias, Kevin Hart, Amy Schumer, and Dave Chappelle. Well, I'm sure he'll be welcomed with Home at Open Arms. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'd be so happy to have him. And if you like listening to comedians on Spotify, you are out of luck, my friends. They're bailing on Spotify. They're bailing on Spotify. Jim Gaffigan, John Mulvaney, just to name a couple. Uh, many comedians are pulling away from Spotify because they're not getting the residuals that they deserve. They actually get... It's not like the the, uh, the the I don't think the metric is different than it is for musicians, but people listen to comedy differently than they listen to music, and as a result, almost no comedians making any money right. at all on Spotify. Hey, and that's content. That's stuff that uh, you should be uh, entitled to get money for, especially if you came up with it. Yeah, I, I uh, use Spotify all the time for like all kinds of different reasons. Mm-hmm. No one's making any money on there except for the people that own Spotify. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Taylor Swift's making quite a big deal uh, on uh, Spotify. She's yeah, but it took some... her a long time to negotiate a deal with Spotify so that she would make money. True. And she's po- more powerful than a lot of these other people are, so she probably had more legal lawyer you know, stuff to work that out for. Now you got to pay Joe's, Joe Rogan somehow. <laughs> Joe Rogan? Joe Rogan sucks. Joe Rogan's the voice of my generation. You're six months apart. Nevertheless. Uh, it's no He's secret. also got a $100 million contract with those people. Oh, that's true. It's no secret there was a falling out between Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> and Kim Cattrall. Oh, they clippity-clopped out of that relationship. After Sex in the Sea, yeah, right? After Sex in the City. Well, their co-star, Chris Noth, has given his thoughts, because why not get, uh, you know, info from him? He's the one I was hoping to hear from. In an interview with The Guardian, Chris said, quote, I have absolutely no idea what Kim's thinking is or her emotions. I do know that I'm very close with Sarah, and Kim's descriptions of her don't even come close. I just wish that the whole thing never happened. It was sad and uncomfortable. I just don't like anyone talking down to SJ because she's a target and can be nasty. Nasty. I feel very protective of her, and I was not happy about that. Sounds like he's got the hots for her. Then he brushed her uh, her mane and fed her oats. For yes. <laughs> clop, clop, clop. Good girl. For a little refresher. Whoa, big fella. Whoa. Whoa. For a little refresher, Sarah Jessica sent her condolences to Kim on social media back in 2018 when she lost her brother, to which Kim publicly commented, quote, 
Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. You are not my family. You are not my friend. Stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. Bam! Man, that's a big snapback. That's a huge snapback. I mean, she was reaching out the olive branch, but then Kim uh, took the uh, the branches and wiped with it. Yeah, but she, you said she did it through Twitter? Yeah. Uh, see, that's not really... Uh... That's not really showing condolences. At least a condolence text. Yeah. Directly le- to the person. How about a nice uh, a nice uh, sympathy card or something? Like a, like a, an actual extension of your condolences. I'm on the Kim Cattrall train. I hate Sarah Jessica Parker, too. <laughs> and that's your Hollywood trash on Rock 102. I, uh... Hi, I'm Julian Jack. Credit. And now, Bax's View from the Couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Blow with the King of Snow, getting errands at Rocky's. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you, folks? Let's take a look at what just happened. The Patriots, facing perhaps the biggest game of the year, went into hostile territory to play a team that was not only picked to win the division, but needed the win more than they did. But rather than panic over the situation or overreact to the fact that they'd be fighting 40-mile-an-hour wind gusts all night. The Patriots switched it up, made adjustments, and executed one of the greatest game plans of Bill Belichick's moderately successful career by running the football right down their throats all night long. Last night, the Patriots not only beat the Buffalo Bills 14-10, they've now won seven straight games, not by allowing Mac Jones to air things out and chucking footballs all over the place, but by holding him to just three passing attempts and two completions. That happens to be the lowest number of attempt passes in Patriots team history and the lowest number of completions since 1974 when Joe Ferguson of the Buffalo Bills attempted two passes and completed none of them and still beat the New York Jets 16-12 against Joe Namath who completed two passes on 18 attempts that night. The win not only gives the Patriots sole possession of first place in the AFC East, They did it by doing things like rushing the football for 222 yards and playing great defense. In other words, they won the game without having to rely on a quarterback to fight through the wind and win an important football game. Instead, it was like it was a full team effort. Now you can say the game lacks some of the normal offensive thrills and excitement that you've grown accustomed to over the last two decades, but honestly, This was a classic Bill Belichick football game, taking into account the brutal conditions, the players on the field, and all of Buffalo's many recent deficiencies. This was probably among the greatest regular season wins of Bill Belichick's career and a resume that's had his fair share of really good games. Having said that, I still think the Detroit Lions winning their first game in over a year is still the game of the week, but I'd say that this one was a pretty close second. But hey, an MMI yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. So you want to paint the bedroom lavender? What color should you paint the trim? Go see Nikki at the East Lawn Meadow Rockies. Nikki's good with colors and design ideas. Good people paint people like Nikki and rock solid service at every Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock at 613 and Tom Petty on Rock 102. It is going to be chilly today and sunny uh, with a high of 40. Tomorrow, uh, snow, about an inch or so. 
uh, high of 38. And then uh, Thursday, nice and sunny again with a high of 36. It's 36 right now in downtown Springfield. Mike Quincy from Consumer Reports will be joining us to next hour. Pretty sure we'll be talking about uh, cars and whatnot. Yes, whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it is the 80th anniversary of, uh, of Pearl Harbor. You remember that day? Uh, no, I'm a little. Uh, it's a little bit before my time. And around uh, 300 people helped a 101-year-old Navy veteran make it to the big remembrance ceremony in Hawaii today. His name is Ira Schaub Jr., and he was on a ship in the harbor when the bombs hit. He wasn't actually on the, the. But he was in the harbor. Right. All right. Uh, and uh, the Arizona, right? Isn't that what the name of the ship was? Oh, Jesus. I don't remember. Well, who you left. don't remember that uh, the, the Brady Bunch when they're standing on the thing and Mike uh, Brady's reading the whole thing and it's all somber episode of the Brady Bunch? No, but I, I do remember when uh, Greg moved up to the attic. See, that's not the one you should remember. You should remember the important ones. Well, it is an important one. I remember that one. You know, we had the, uh, you know, he tacked all the puka shells to the top of the door. What about the time they lost Mr. Brady's plans? Yeah. That was a big one. That was a that huge was a, one. Because that would have killed the whole deal. Uh, to get to Hawaii, he needed two caregivers to go with him. His family couldn't afford it, and a charity was only able to pay for one. So his daughter started a GoFundMe campaign, and people donated over $15,000 to get him there. I yeah. also remember when uh, when when Marsha took a football to the face. That yeah. was a pretty big one, too. Okay, we're focused on Hawaii. You don't remember when Peter took the tiki and then uh, he almost got eaten by the big tarantula? No, I do remember that yeah. one. I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, but to go back to this th- this thing where, yeah, that that's nice that people got together and donated $15,000 for him to be there. But you're talking about one of the probably few people, very few people left that dealt with this well you think that somebody from like the government would chip in and go hey we'll take you you're part of the remembrance ceremony you're one of the only people still alive the guy's 101 yeah is he healthy enough to be traveling well he's obviously he is if uh if he's going because if i'm 101 and i've got a long way to go before i get and i'm it's not a lock that i'll get there but if I'm 101, I'm not so sure I'm keeping my AAA card. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see myself leaving the house that much. Uh, this guy looks like he's in pretty good shape to go. Some 101-year-olds don't look like they are going to make it. This guy's, you know, got his hat on. He's smiling. He's got a lay. Steve, how many 100-year-old people do you know where you say, oh, yeah, I can see them hanging on for quite a while? Well, none of them do you say, I can see you hanging on for quite a while, but I can definitely see the difference between the two different physical types of people. You're either 100 and you're in a wheelchair and you can't move very fast, or in a bed or something like that. Or you're Betty White than a national treasure. Yeah, you're uh, jumping around doing uh, playing badminton with all your friends. You see, I, that, I don't, I'm, I'm not even yeah. that, uh, <laughs> that healthy at 55. Where I could say I'd be uh, want to bat around a few games of pickleball. But just think in, uh, in uh, what is it, uh, tw- uh, 2100, the year 2100. Yes. Uh, somebody from our time will be, you know, 100 years old remembering uh, 9-11 or something like that. I think, maybe, maybe a little further than that. I think the biggest thing that I remember uh, from, like, years and years ago... Mm-hmm. Would have been like around the age of three, a little bit more older than the age of three. Uh, the moon landing. I actually remember the moon landing. 
I can't remember where I left my car keys, but I can tell you about the moon landing. Well, yeah, because uh, that was a big part of your growing up. Like that was uh, that was yeah. My uh, gra- at my grandmother's house. At uh, stuff like that shapes the world. Well, I think you know, we were all watching it on a black and white television with the yeah. uh, with the aerial antenna up on the roof, uh-huh. and you had to turn the the crank, the yeah. little knob on top of the uh, of the TV, to make sure you get the best reception you can to watch Neil Armstrong, you know, you know hop on the moon. That was that was that was a that was good TV back then. Yeah, and then uh, when he got down and he started walking, and he's like, "Oh man, somebody didn't pick up after their dog. I got exactly. dog crap all over my moon shoe." Mm-hmm. You know, I can't. There's no dry cleaner around here. How am I going to fix this suit? You want to come full circle on this one, Steve? Yeah. Uh, and not only saw that at my grandmother's house. Yeah. You know what I used to watch every Friday night what? at my grandmother's house? The Brady Bunch and the Partridge Family, every damn week. That was it, huh? That, d- full circle. Didn't we just start talking yeah. about the Brady Bunch? Yeah, that's right. Isn't that an amazing turn of events? No, it's just uh, coincidental that those shows happened to be at the same time that you were watching No, I think what's coincidental is here we are in 2021 mm-hmm. talking about the Brady Bunch, and I've got fascinating Brady Bunch recollections to share with you. Maybe there's like a game we could play, Six Degrees of the Brady Bunch. I'm sure you could connect a lot of those uh, things to the Brady Bunch. Well, you know, I'm up to here with the Seinfeld references, but Brady Bunch... We could go on for hours. Um, up to here with the Seinfeld references. What are you? Uh, what's going on? Well, I'm not. This, I mean, I, I have no uh, ill will. I'm just saying that you know, there are other television shows that uh, no, informed not. what I would become in life. No, there's not. There most certainly is. Uh, different strokes. Different strokes is one. Sure. Were you uh, hoping to become a rich uh, man who lived on Park Avenue to pick up two young boys and uh, adopt them as your own? What you talking about, Steve Nagel? Yeah, right, right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, see what I'm saying? And that totally informed who I would become as an adult. And have a have a maid that would leave you after two years to go run her own boarding school. Well, you know, Mrs. Garrett had her, uh, you know, had her path in life, and you know, taking care of the. The Drummond family was not it. I hated Pearl. I didn't like Pearl at all. Was that uh, that was the new Nell, was that Nell Carter? N- no, it wasn't Nell. Who Carter. was Pearl? Uh, okay, Pearl on different strokes, and her name would be Mary Jo Catlett. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no hard. You know what? Uh, if uh, Mr. Drummond was doing his job right, he'd have all three of those kids picking up after themselves. Not even, <coughs> not even needing a maid. I forgot about Adelaide Bluebaker. She yeah, was also I don't, I don't recall that. She was uh she was also uh on the different strokes. I don't think she was on for very long. No, though. I don't think so. I think she was like the transition in be- unless she was the first Mrs. Garrett and then Charlotte Ray, maybe that? No, I don't I don't think so. I I think uh you know, I to be honest, I kind of lost interest in the show when Charlotte left. And then I was on to the facts of life because I, I, I had a real thing for some of those girls at the time. I, uh, I, Joe. I kind of like Joe. Yeah, Joe. Uh, Mrs. Garrett, does, is it okay when your penis touches your backside? All right, you know what? No. I thought, uh, What? Joe- you have both? <laughs> no! <laughs> no, I was always uh, uh, more of a Mindy Cone guy. Oh, Mindy Cohn, Natalie. Huh? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Really. Well, so, that's right. Somebody had to love her. She was a firecracker. She was. She absolutely. Well, she was funny. She was very funny. Oh, she was the the big uh, wisecracker on the show. I had, a, I had a thing for Blair. 
Everybody had to think that. Yeah, you know, that's that's the truth. Uh, But you talk about things you remember. So you remember the moon landing. I do. My, I think the biggest, like, worldwide thing I remember is the Berlin Wall coming down. All right, that was a big day. That was a big news story. My parents went out for dinner at the Ground Round in Lakewood, New Jersey. To celebrate? No, we were just, that's what we did on Friday nights. We'd go out to, like, a local restaurant and... uh, have oh, family dinner. You weren't celebrating the fall of uh, of the uh, no. Eastern European bloc uh, communism uh, system by going to the ground round. No, no. It was a, the family Friday night family dinners were a chance for my dad to suck back about four beef eater gin martinis on the rocks with an olive. Yeah. Well, it's a drink and a snack, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's I think he had he needed more of the snack than he did the drink. <laughs> The Berlin Wall, so I remember that. Yeah. And then I remember, uh, let's see, earlier than that. I remember when the baby Jessica fell down the well. You yeah, remember that was, that? I remember that one. That was like a riveting thing. Were, were you uh, glued to the radio what, or yeah, TV? I uh, think I was, uh, yeah, I was glued to the TV. I, but I also remember the uh, the space shuttle blowing up. And I was in college mm. at the time, right? And uh, and I'm walking back into my dorm after a grueling morning of early morning classes. And everyone's uh, there's a big TV in the middle of yeah. the of the of the uh, of the dorm, and everyone's you know I mean like hundreds of kids are are around watching this thing on TV, mm-hmm. and uh, and they, I said what's going on? Space shuttle blow up. I don't think we were we were out in that hallway for more than five seconds when mm-hmm. all of a sudden we start creating these hilarious jokes about this national tragedy. Uh-huh. I mean it was like one great. One great joke after another. It's well, like it's, it never ended. It's never too soon to make a joke. No, actually, uh, in in the in the case of a uh, grisly national uh, day of mourning, uh, <coughs> the best way to recover is to make some yucks. I remember we were watching it in school. They had a, a big like a big assembly, and they were watching it on the screen. On the there was multiple TVs. Sure, I don't think they had the ability to put the TV up on the screen. In the school, I don't know. Whatever. Not, not was, back then. But there was a uh, multiple, uh, multiple TVs. Uh, it happens, and then they shut the TVs off. Cause I'm in like first grade. Was... You turn the TVs off. That's the, that's the big part of the story. Yeah, no, 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 not for the little kids. They're like, I don't even. I don't think they knew what to tell. Uh, you know, a bunch of five and six year olds what just happened. You know what the re- reaction was? We were we were all just like, "What's going on?" And then uh, nobody mentioned anything. They basically took us back to the classroom. They let us draw for the rest of the day, and then they <laughs> sent us. Then they sent us home, to which I went home uh, to an empty house, to turn on uh, He Man because He Man was always on right at, uh, at three o'clock when I got home. There ain't no He Man. Every channel had this spaceship blowing up and up and up and up and up. And I just remember being very, very scared. Really? Until my mom finally came home, like a couple hours later. And uh, was there comfort? Oh uh, yeah, involved? there was comfort. And, really? Uh, you know. Uh, d- 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 did Dad do some nurturing too? Yes, he drank a lot. Uh, he couldn't stand. Uh, he couldn't stand the tragic loss of American lives. <laughs> the only way to recover uh, was there a few more beefies and some olives. Listen, uh, everybody's a hero. You don't need to wear a cape. You know. <laughs> 
It's 625 on Rock 102. If you're at 627 with Bax and Steve and Rock 102. Mostly sunny today with a high of 40. Tomorrow, snow showers with a high of 38. And then sunny again on Thursday. It is 36 right now in downtown Springfield. And like we told you, uh, Mike Quincy from Consumer Reports will be joining us a little bit later on uh, this morning. Uh, yes, and he'll be talking about uh, your new uh, Ninja Air Fryer and your... Uh, no, I think we're talking about uh, cars for the most part. That's oh, a, is that what he's an expert in? Yeah, because he doesn't say, well, he, he's an expert in other things. But, you know, for the, you know, professionally speaking, it's just cars. I don't think he's ever written about, you know, refrigerators or uh, game systems. Ah, I see. He's not very good at any of that stuff, is he? I just don't think it's his forte. I don't think it's where, it, uh, where his passion lies. Well, he needs to expand his horizons. Now, I think his passion is between cars and cocktails, which typically does not... Mix, so to speak. It's uh, not something you, you you would do one and then do the other. Uh, okay, well, in the meantime, let's laugh. Tell me. Tell me what's funny. It's Bax and O'Brien's joke of the day. Well, it's nice to find a fellow with a keen sense of humor. On Rock 102. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Springfield's classic rock. Hey, what happened when uh, Dwayne Johnson got into a fight with some lesbians? Uh, I don't know, Steve. What happened when Dwayne Johnson got into a fight with some lesbians? Rock beat scissors. Ah! I don't understand that one at all. Well, that's because they're good at arts and crafts. You know? Oh, that must be what And they it need is. the scissors. Left-handed right. ones or right-handed ones? I don't know. Booyah! 6.32 with Bax and O'Brien at Rock 102. It's time for news. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. Uh, two people from Springfield are charged in connection to human trafficking. According to the Springfield Police Department, 20-year-old Savannah Savard and 25-year-old Wesley Bowleg of uh, Springfield are charged with three counts of human trafficking. Savard was arrested on Thursday by the Springfield Police Department Special Victims Unit and the Mass State Police for a Hamden Superior Court arrest warrant, and co-conspirator Bowleg was charged in November. No further details have been released due to the nature of the case as it remains an active and ongoing one. Springfield Police Department urges that if you feel like you're a victim of a sex crime to contact the Springfield Department's Special Victims Unit, uh, you know, at the department. Yeah, that... I saw this story yesterday, and I'm, I'm uh, kind of, like, uh, looking for details on yeah. what this really means. There's, like, nothing there. Yeah. I mean, I realize, I realize there's probably not much they can tell. Yeah, I'm guessing that they're part of some sort of larger uh, operation. You know what I mean? Like Maybe. They, they, they could be, uh, you know, a 20- and a 25-year-old probably just getting into the sex trafficking business. You know, that's a... It's a go-getter thing to get out of when you get out of high school. I mean, that's that seems like something you do if you're a little bit older. You know what you're doing. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You need to you need to recruit recruit fresh new ones uh, to help you out with your. Hey, you're a 50 year old guy. You got this sex trafficking operation. You're missing young talent. Young talent is where we need. Yeah, see, I, I just don't know enough about sex trafficking to know exactly what's going on and what's involved. Uh, and it's not like I'm dying to find out. Like I've got uh, any real. Uh, skin in the game on that one, but right. uh, you know some details would have been uh, very interesting to read. Well, they're just letting you know that they've been arrested. Okay, and that's, and that's all you need to know. Well, I like to know just a li- let's take it like a little bit more. You know, I asked Ryan Walsh yesterday about uh, you know you heard um, what did we do? We did that story about the apparently an officer getting shot at. Oh but, right, right, and, and then then and, saying that he didn't get shot at, and nobody got shot at. And uh, 
In the, he says, in the immediate aftermath, the information coming in over the radio and being relayed to the captain in charge was that the officer was shot at. Once investigators arrived, spoke to the police, and reviewed the video, it was determined that the suspect pointed a gun at the officers but did not shoot. The suspect did shoot through a door prior to the officer's arrival. Mm. Yeah. Miscommunication, I guess. Not going to happen. Uh, nearly two weeks after a fire destroyed Armada's market in Longmeadow, business continues. They still plan on providing food to customers this holiday season despite losing everything in that fire. Back on November 23rd, businesses will start operating out of the commercial kitchen at the recently closed Longmeadow Senior Center on Maple Street. It's right next to the new Longmeadow Adult Center, which opened in early November. Uh, we spoke last week with staff. We came out with the menu that we will be posting on Facebook late this week. From there, we will distribute via delivery and pop-up locations and refrigerated trucks so everyone can pick up their goods. The process has been very challenging for myself and my staff, but the love from the community, the support uh, that has been behind us, it's been amazing, and we appreciate it all, said owner Alexis Valitas. They're, uh, they're still going uh, with that GoFundMe page that we talked to the other day with uh, Bill Collins from uh, Center Square Grill. Yeah. They raised about $56,000 of the $75,000 they're looking for. So if you're looking to uh, maybe donate, uh, it's the Fire at Maple Center Shopping Center uh, GoFundMe page. And, uh, you know, again, Armada's was one of a number of businesses in that plaza that's now been displaced. So hopefully uh, everybody can get back on track. Yeah, uh, that money will definitely help those employees that are in need. Yeah. Uh, State police and several local police departments are investigating a report of a potential threat of violence at the Mohawk Trail Regional School on Monday. According to spokesperson Lori Loisel from the Northwestern uh, District Attorney's Office, a group of students came forward around 1.30 p.m. Monday afternoon to report a potential threat. School officials informed police who were then sent to the school for the remi- remainder of the day. Police uh, will stay at the school on Tuesday as uh, well as a precaution. Uh, parents were notified of the situation Monday afternoon in an email from Superintendent Cheryl Stanton stating that Mohawk Regional Trail School Administration responded quickly to ensure the safety of students and staff and the situation did not warrant a shelter in place. No students were in immediate danger. However, we did maintain police presence for most of the day. Again, what what uh, what happened? <laughs> you could you ask him I'm, I'm just happened. saying it's like you, you you're, you're telling me that something happened but you're not telling me what just happened you're like what just happened whatever I just whatever I'm waiting to hear from you, you know who you are you're mrs Kravitz no no yes, you no. are Harold what's going on over There's there something going on over there at the Stevens house it's uh, it's it's called none your backs it's called none your business but aren't we kind of like an information sharing operation here like isn't part of our job to inform as well as to occasionally entertain Uh, i mean i know we don't do much in the entertainment part so maybe we should at least do a little bit of informing of people but our sources aren't telling us anything well we are uh on a need to know basis and right now apparently we don't need to know i mean there's uh there's this situation there's the sex trafficking thing in springfield yeah I don't know. No. If, uh, if anyone like were come up to me on the street and say, "Hey, what's going on with that thing that happened at uh, at uh, which uh, high school was that?" That was uh, Mohawk Trail. Mohawk Regional. Trail Regional High School. What what happened over there? It's like I don't know. 
Oh, maybe. Uh, I, I, I don't know. If you've been a good boy this year, they'll give you all the details on Christmas. Eh, I haven't been that good. The uh, Springfield Police Department's Detective Bureau, under the direction of Captain Trent Duda, led to the arrest of Kim and Anthony Domino on home invasion, firearm, and armed robbery charges. They fell like dominoes. Right, and uh, they've been detained all the doo day. According to uh, Ryan Walsh, on November uh, 14th at around 7.50 p.m., Springfield uh, police officers went to Yale Street for a report of a shot spotter activation. Officers found a loaded firearm and several shell casings. A detective bureau investigation concluded that a home invasion incident had occurred on Yale Street and the suspects allegedly entered the home with firearms demanding money. This is when you don't want dominoes coming to the house. No, this is not 30 minutes or less. The two suspects were identified as Kim and Anthony Domino, who had been outfitted with GPS ankle bracelets due to pending cases involving firearms. Oh, uh, it's uh, it's kind of like, <laughs> where are you? Uh, I'm at my house. Really? Because you're on Yale Street right now from where I can see you. Were these dopey idiots trying to get caught? Probably. Because honestly, what the, if you're wearing the bracelet and yeah. you know why you're wearing it and you can't really take it off. And you go out and commit a crime. Okay. To me, that's basically screaming, okay. we're not doing very well here on the outside. We'd like to go back in. Both me and my brother. But we're, we're not, it's just not working for us out here in the real world. But think about it. With all this bail reform stuff and like, oh, we don't want to hold people for too long and, and the thing. We'll just put these ankle bracelets on them. Well, if you're not holding them, there's really no consequence to what you've done. Yeah, but and if, if everybody's wearing these ankle bracelets, it's like a cool thing to do. Sure. I mean, it's a great fashion accessory. But if you're wearing the ankle bracelet and you're committing a crime, don't you just go to jail or do you get released right away? Uh, I think you get released right away. That is stupid. Well, that's the way the court says. Because it seems right. to me that these guys are just dying to get back into the tank. Uh, on Friday at 1.05 p.m., members of the uh, investigation unit, the U.S. Mar all these people got together uh, and arrested 22-year-old Anthony Domino at, in his apartment on Chestnut Street. Detectives saw drug residue in plain sight as well as packaging materials and cash. Detectives were then were granted a search warrant for the apartment and recovered an illegally possessed high-capacity firearm with 16 rounds of ammunition, additional ammunition, approximately 14 grams of cocaine, Ten and nine round magazines, six thousand three hundred sixty nine dollars in cash, and more than one hundred one thousand grams of packaged marijuana, all to be won here on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> They'll be out by next Monday. It does read like a game show prize list, doesn't it? It really does. But you know, again, if you're wearing the bracelet, you're supposed to be behaving yourself. I mean, I know that's probably uh, you know unrealistic, but I believe that's the whole purpose. Maybe. Uh, Domino was out on bail for multiple gun charges, and on December 3rd of last year, uh, a year to the day of the arrest made recently. Oh, it's like an annual thing for this guy. Yeah. Well, you know, the holidays are coming up. And 2022 is going to be my year. <laughs> Domino was arrested for tossing a bag of firearms out of his Chestnut Street apartment. He was then fitted with the GPS bracelet at the time of that arrest. At approximately 1.30 on Friday. It just goes on to show that they got the guy. This well, story is very, very lengthy for some reason. See, now, here we have it. Uh, we have uh, too much detail. Too much information. Yeah. I can't condense this. Uh, a guy tried to uh, break into a home, and uh, now he's arrested. But on the other hand, again, you know, with the bracelet, you have to wonder, well, what were they thinking? I mean, I realize you mm -hmm. want to get back into the game 
I suppose. But someone tells me these guys are more comfortable behind bars than out of, than out of them. Yeah, I think that's probably the best place for them to be. They probably miss all their buddies in there and feel like they're not only doing time, they're doing the time of their lives in jail. And that's what that's maybe that's where they belong. You think it's like uh, Goodfellas where they're shaving garlic slices with a razor blade? Maybe. Yeah. You never know. You never know. A West Springfield resident sent video to 22 News of an alligator in the Westfield River. The video was taken Monday while the man was fishing in the Westfield River near the Eastern States Exposition Grounds. He said the alligator was stationary for some time, then swam off. According to the nonprofit organization, the West Springfield Environmental Committee, there has been several reports of an alligator in the area of the Westfield River near the Morgan Sullivan Bridge since August. It was last reported to the West Springfield Animal Control in late September and early October. Officials believe the alligator is anywhere from 18 to 48 inches and could have been a pet that was released. We've heard about this before, yeah, didn't we? I think Remember we did. They seized an alligator years ago in some guy's apartment in West Springfield. I wonder if these two are, you know, connected. Maybe. 18 to 48 inches? 18 to 48 inches. Those seem like very small alligators. Uh, well, I mean, this looks pretty damn big. Well, you can't tell from a single picture. Well, you can't tell from a single picture, but it does look pretty big. So well, I mean, I if, it's, if it's a, you know chomping its teeth into your flesh it would seem enormous yeah i'm looking at the the big thing just swimming away hmm. say see you later wow well uh you know uh was this alligator be, wearing a hat and a necktie no but uh, with a collar with no shirt no it's, it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a a river alligator you know like uh like you get a barn cat to kill your mice and all right. that stuff maybe this is the alligator to like a freshwater amphibious a lizard. Killing uh, wild fowl. Right. I totally see that. Uh, let's see. I got more stuff, backs. Good. I promise. Let her rip. Oh, I wanted to read you the thing about the, uh, the, the Viagra. Do you take Viagra? I do not, Steve. Well, then you're out of luck, man, because you're going to be... Uh... I read this thing. It was about Viagra. 69% chance that you won't get Alzheimer's if you take Viagra. All right, but what happens if you keep losing your pills? Well, then I guess you're you're out of luck. I mean, let's say I've got Alzheimer's, but I'm also taking the Viagra. Uh, I might not remember where I left the pills, and that's not helping me at all. The uh, next medication Grandpa has to go on might come with one slightly unsettling side effect. A new st uh, study found that Viagra might stave off Alzheimer's. Researchers at the Cleveland Clinic have been trying to figure out if any drugs already approved by the FDA could help with Alzheimer's, and generic Viagra looks promising. They went uh, through more than 7 million medical records and found that men who were on it were much less likely to develop Alzheimer's over a six-year period. How could you forget that you're going to have sex? <laughs> this, uh, maybe, that, maybe that's it. It's like, it's like uh, riding a bicycle. You never forget how to do it. The uh, one stat they listed is perfect too older guys who took viagra on a regular basis basis cut their risk by 69 percent yeah yeah well it's 71 because you're using two fingers to pull the pull oh the listen to you the bottle, oh right? there you go that's Aren't right you? that's ah, right yeah sure sure yeah well if you remember you know when they first you know came out with the viagra it was a pill that was intended for another use 
It was more like a, I believe it was like a heart medication or something like that. It was a blood pressure medication. Yeah, exactly. Blood pressure. And they just discovered that one of the things that was happening as a side effect was firm rigidity. Yeah. In certain parts of the uh, male anatomy. Uh-huh. And then yeah, as, uh, as a result, it then stopped becoming a blood pressure medication and then became uh, something to deal with erectile dysfunction. Now, wouldn't it be crazy? If people are starting to take it for the Alzheimer's rather than for the uh, firm, rigid uh, you know, parts of the uh, of the anatomy. Yeah. That like we don't, we don't we don't care about my erectile dysfunction. No, that was the problem with, with the alligator. That was the reptile dysfunction. Yes, that yeah, that's that's exactly right. That's why the alligator hasn't moved. <laughs> Just sitting on the bank. I can't move. He's completely stiffed out. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place right now, and uh, you don't want to know which is which. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your uh, Pioneer Valley forecast today, it is going to be mostly sunny with a high of 40. Tomorrow's uh, snow, but showers. Not much of accumulation, but a high of 38. Sunny and uh, warm on Thursday. Not warm. Sunny and cold on Thursday with a high of 36. It's 36 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Oh, yeah. 102 Springfield's Classic Rock at 6.55 on Rock 102. Going to be uh, mostly sunny today with a high of 40. Tomorrow, snow showers uh, up to an inch possible, 38 for a high. It's 36 right now in downtown Springfield. You know, if you ever miss a, uh, a Bax and O'Brien show or a Bax and Steve show, yeah, whatever show you're missing, uh, you can check out the Bax and O'Brien daily podcast on BaxandO'Brien.com. It's also available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, and back to these musical podcasts this week, my guest John Ilsley from Dire Straits, the only other guy besides Mark Knopfler to appear on every record and on every tour during Dire Straits. He's got a brand new book out called My Life in Dire Straits, and it's actually a really, really good book. You can check that out on BaxandO'Brien.com. Sounds pretty cool. Oh, hell yeah. It was a good, that, that one, uh, that was a good one. A very good one. Yeah, it was. I got, I got some good ones, but uh, you know, they're all kind of saying we want to do it after the first of the year. Yeah. So uh, I got some good ones coming down the down the pike, but we'll have to see. First of the year. Yeah, I know. It's like uh, for whatever reason, uh, people feel like the holidays are, uh, you know, too time consuming to do things like you know sit and talk to a complete stranger on a Zoom call for thirty minutes. Really? <laughs> Believe it or not, it's been it's been a little bit of a challenge the last uh, two weeks. Like these folks got better things to do. Yeah. Apparently, they've got lives and families and stuff like that. I was not aware of, of any of this stuff, but uh, apparently that's true. So, some good stuff coming up after uh, January 1st. Giddy up. Yeah, there you go. It's uh, just about 6.57 on Rock 102. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Blow with the king of snow. Get an errands at Rocky's. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Folks, when I was in college, there were only two ways in which I was able to make money. One was cleaning dishes for a living in a dormitory cafeteria for a whopping $3.35 an hour, which makes your $15 an hour minimum wage seem like total garbage. The other way was donating blood plasma twice a week for $15 a shot. Frankly, the bloodletting was more lucrative. What I didn't have at the time was a financial benefactor who was willing to front my expenses in exchange for any number of questionable services. No, sir, I let that $3.35 an hour do all of my financial bidding instead. But in college football, you have kids today making serious bank regardless of whether they're any good. 
For example, this week, it was announced that in Austin, Texas, a nonprofit organization known as Horns with a Heart have agreed to pay each member of the University of Texas Longhorns offensive line $50,000 a year. And all they have to do to get it is allow the organization to use their name and likenesses to promote a series of charitable causes. That's it. That's all they got to do. Of course, I should point out that the Texas Longhorns suck this year, finishing the season with a disappointing record of 5-7, and seven, preventing them from being invited to a bowl game. Plus, you have head coach Steve Sarkeesian already making statements that they'll be recruiting new linemen for next season because this year's offensive line was pretty damn terrible. Folks, if somebody offered to pay me $50,000 a year while I was going to college, I would probably still be in college today. As it turned out, nobody was willing to cough up that sort of money back then, and as a result, I was forced to pay off my student loans the old-fashioned way by setting myself in a swirling pool of astonishing personal debt. But if somebody handed me a check and said, you go out there and be charitable, I would be gladly obliged just as long as my expenses were paid first. After that, I would have done just about anything to keep that gravy train in operation, and I can assure you that it wouldn't have been pretty. But hey, number my yappin' sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. In 1926, a guy from Northampton was in the White House, and a guy from Springfield opened a hardware store. Rocky's, 95 years. Now with 36 stores, good people, rock-solid service. Where's your na- neighborhood Rocky's Ace Hardware? I'm back. That's my view from the couch. My car tire light come on. Yeah, I know. I'm not very happy when that happens. What's up with that? On the phone this right now from Consumer Reports, it's uh, car guy Mike Quincy. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, guys. How's it going this morning? Good, uh, except for my tire light that's on in the uh, in the car. What, you know, what? It, it always seems to happen, doesn't it? it, it the, the air temperature gets cold, and you see that little cutaway tire with the exclamation point on your dashboard warning light saying, you got an issue here with your tires. Well, Mike, uh, not only is the light on, uh, but there were sparks flying out from under the car. There was all this vibrating <laughs> down 91, people beeping their horns at me. Lots I don't know. what. what lot, does that usually cause that lot of, kind of problem? A lot of people pointing at, his, at the back of his car. Well, that's what happens when you drive a low rider, I guess. I, I guess I so, know. yeah. <laughs> But but seriously though, what, what's the deal with this with this light thing coming on? Because it's happened to me in the van. Well, the the, the, the tire pressure warning uh, system is designed to tell the car owner uh, you have an issue with your tires. That the, the 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 there is a a, a drop in tire uh, pressure and that needs to be looked at. Now it might be because it gets it gets colder and and when when you're when the temperature goes down, your tire pressure also goes down just because of temperature changes. But you also might have an issue where you have something in your tire that is causing a, a air to leak out of it. And so you really need to check it uh, as soon as possible. Just because the tire light comes on this doesn't mean you should definitely ignore it. You should pull over as soon as you can and check your, your tire pressure. Make sure you always have a tire uh, um, uh, pressure gauge in your car, a reliable one that you, you know how to use. And uh, so here's a, here's a question for you guys. Do you know where to find the proper pressure for your tires? Sure. It's uh, it's right there in the uh, the jam of the car of the uh, of the door. There you go. There you go. The, the, little, the little placard by, by, the, by the driver's side door is where the proper tire pressure should be. A lot of people still look on the side of the tires for any number that says blank, blank, PSI. <clears throat> and of course, that is not 
the, the proper tire. Yeah, well, I, I ignore it anyway. I fill all my tires to about 60, uh, <laughs> to about, uh, 60 uh, pounds per square inch because I, I, I like the buoyancy yeah. of it all. But uh, but you, when you because my car has the indicator, but it doesn't specify which tire is down. My wife's car totally different. You know, hers is a newer car, and it specifies you know which tire. If it's consistently the same tire, could you then assume that there's probably something in the tire as opposed to it's it's just a weather issue? Definitely, uh, absolutely, and 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 uh, the the. The Camry that my 18-year-old son drives to college and back every day has the same issue. It's, it's the left rear tire, and uh, it, it always seems to be like the problem tire, and, and you definitely need to get that checked out. I actually brought it to one of my tire uh, experts here at, at the track, and he, and he looked it over. It might be issues with the wheel. It might be some issue with the tire. Maybe it didn't quite uh, seal properly when, when, it was, uh, when it was beaded next to the, the tire and the, and the wheel together. Um, but but it really, you should be checking your tire pressure at least once a month. Um, and and just kind of, you you got to stay on top of it because uh, under under inflated tires can really affect uh, a, a, a a car's handling certainly in an emergency situation and a lower pressure in your tires is going to cause them to work much harder which is going to reduce your fuel economy so it, it's all riding on properly inflated tires. I had a uh, Nissan years ago that it was the sensor that took the tire pressure that was bad. So there was nothing wrong with the tires. It was the sensor itself that was taking the tire pressure that was discombobulated, if you will. Right, and and, and that was that was an issue of, of a lot of the early uh, tire pressure and sensors. The transmitters weren't working properly. It was it was early in the technology. Today, it seems like it, it, it's gotten much better. And, and as Bax pointed out, if you have a car, a newer car, that, that that will tell you exactly what the pressure is on all four tires. That is the most useful uh, way to go about this. You know, we we're talking off the air a little bit, and you know, one of the things that you you notice, and, and we've heard about you know supply chain issues, and you know, for for months now. And the auto industry is is certainly among those being hit the hardest for a number of different reasons. You know, when you're driving around town and you look, you go past a car dealership and you see how few cars are on the lot, it's not because they're selling cars left and right. There just that aren't that many cars for them to sell. What's what is the deal with this? And and uh, you know, do you see you know, changes being made moving forward to to prevent this from continuing? Well, what we're seeing is a worldwide shortage of computer microchips that not only are in cars, but are in almost every electronic pro- product that we buy these days. And it is a, it's been sort of a boon to the sellers. Uh, if, if you have a very short supply, then you can charge a lot more. And we're certainly seeing that here at Consumer Reports. Um, we we had to. I was in charge of buying our new Ford Bronco, which is the really the hot SUV that everybody wants and everybody wants to talk about. I ordered that Bronco two years ago, and it kept getting delayed and kept getting delayed. And the dealership that I was working with wanted to charge an exorbitant amount yeah. over MSRP, and I managed to kind of reduce that a lot. So we, we actually got it for a decent price. But um, and, and in my travels, I, I went to I, I drove to Austin, Texas to see some friends. And um, throughout my drive between Connecticut and Texas, passing car dealers, they are bare. They're yeah. empty. Uh, it, it is it is amazing to me to, to see so few products 
uh, on dealerships' lots. According to industry experts, uh, this is still going to go on for, for a, a fair amount of time. Uh, I, I think we're also seeing how the industry has been so dependent on maybe one or two chip manufacturers and how they're, they're gonna, they're, they need to diversify and, and, and create, uh, build, build factories of their own so they're not so dependent on, on a couple of, of suppliers. But, but boy, it, it, and, and you know, Consumer Reports is trying to buy cars and test them, and it's been a lean year. Yeah. So if you if you take it out of the hands of the uh, the deal the the local dealerships here for a second and you just focus on the automakers themselves with all of that uh, you know the, with with them all facing the same supply issues what do they do I mean do they stand, now start focusing their attention you know, more of their attention on design and efficiency and uh, you know just to get things you know moving on the planning end of this or do they or are they just looking to get ready and and start pumping out vehicles you know, at, at a swift cl- uh, clip. Well, a lot of the, the, the vehicles, a lot of the production uh, continues to roll along, and the vehicles are put in this lot waiting for the chips. So, you know, 99.9% of the vehicle is, is has been built, and now they're sitting and waiting. Yeah, other can... other uh, ways that the manufacturers are dealing with it is they're reducing the amount of content in 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 the vehicle. So, in other words, last year you could get uh, BMWs with touchscreens, but because of the chip shortage, the the, the the screens that you see in a new BMW might not be a touchscreen. But they can then update that that system later on. So they're having to kind of adapt, uh, uh, change the the content of the vehicles. What used to be available now isn't. Um, but they can probably retrofit it uh, later. You can you can put in the hardware hardware, for example. For heated seats, but then the electronics can be added after you know after the the sale and delivery of the of the vehicle. So I think that's what we're going to be seeing in the in the near future. So it's going to be a uh, okay. You can have this car, but you'll have to wait for all this other stuff to be activated. Yeah, which, which is kind of annoying as as a buyer. But but I mean, you know, what what are you going to do? There, it's it's not some vast conspiracy or something. The, the dealers aren't trying to annoy the customers. It's just a, a matter of of a, of a lack of supply of chips. Yeah, do you think there'll be an activation fee for all those things when things are ready? Uh, I don't know. I mean that that really that really depends on the dealer level. If if a dealer wants to have goodwill with customers, they they won't do that. And you know it's funny. We we talk about chips and everything, and it's not even the Super Bowl, and we got you know bowls of, of Doritos out there. It's just annoying. You know, I was. Uh, you're right about the dealership thing. I was at a dealership getting uh, my truck service yesterday, and there was nothing there. It was yeah. there was two cars in the showroom. And in the rest of the lot, like, there was plenty of free parking, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, in, industry has, has often had to grapple with oversupply. I mean, you've got right. tons and tons of vehicles, and that's why you always see those ads. You know, you know, we're, we're getting, we have cut-rate financing. We have, you know, $500 rebates, $1,000 rebates. Come on down. We have lots of, lots of stuff to sell. And that is definitely not the case these days. Does every vehicle get sold on those lots eventually? Eventually, yeah. I mean, because cause the, the dealer takes out loans to buy the vehicles, and so they, the, the, that's why you usually can get a good deal with a vehicle that's on a dealer's lot. They're, they're paying to have to, to be able to sell that right. vehicle, and they want to move that off their books as soon as possible. So, so yeah, that's it, what you, won't, you won't see vehicles sitting there for years and years and years on end because they've they got, they got to move the metal. What? Uh, yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't really pre-discuss this, but uh, I was checking out these Ford F one fifties that are electric. 
Have you? Oh yeah, have, all, all the rage these days. If you don't feel comfortable talking about it, you don't have to. I was just curious no, if you had a, if you had a, any experience with with these things. We we have not had any uh, electric pickup trucks at Consumer Reports Test Track. We have we've tested just about all of the current electric vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, those from you know from from, from Kia and, and Hyundai and, and Porsche and Tesla, uh, and and we're we're actually uh, having the the organization installed a level two charger at my house. So we're definitely <laughs> seeing a, a big future for electric vehicles. And, and we're going to be testing them as they come on. But, but electric pickup trucks uh, are, are really the big buzz. I mean, there's Rivian, there's Ford, uh, uh, Tesla is talking about their Cybertruck, but of course they've been talking about that for a couple of years. Um, but, but I mean, look, look, to, look to Rivian and Ford to be among the, the, the earliest ones. And as soon as Consumer Reports can, can buy one, we, we certainly will. You're also seeing some, uh, some pretty significant uh, investment from some car, dealer, uh, car makers, like Toyota, for example, is like spending almost like a – like a billion and a half dollars on a new plant in North Carolina to just focus on batteries, and that and that's and that's all they're going to focus on. You know, electric car batteries. You know, specifically. So you so you wonder if you know if the technology and the life of these batteries. You know, I mean, I I have to believe that the call for longer battery life is essential in making you know electronic you know vehicles, especially on the truck end. You know, you you appealing to consumers. No, no question. I mean, the 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 the, the fact that you, that consumers want you know longer range, they want quicker charging times. I mean, they they want kind of the impossible. They want the best from every battery engineer in in the world. And and Toyota is kind of actually playing a little bit of catch up. They're pretty late into the the electric vehicle uh, 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 market. Uh, they're a conservative company, so they don't do anything kind of rash. But 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 you can you can bet that if they're getting into it, then they they certainly mean business. Uh, and and batteries, even when they've kind of they will lose their effectiveness over time. They'll lose their effectiveness in cold weather. Uh, but there are a number of industries that are buying up batteries that used to be in electric vehicles because they're finding that they're useful in other areas. So, so I mean, batteries are, are definitely a part of our future, not only for the automotive and transportation space, but probably a lot in our home and, and businesses as well. Uh, you know, real quick, we don't have a whole lot of time. One of the, uh, the articles on uh, Consumer Reports this month is who makes the most reliable new cars in spite of the supply issues uh, that we're facing. Uh, you know, which ones are ranking the highest? Well, you know, it's it's not a not a big shock, but but uh, this year, as in most years, the most reliable brands are are coming from from Asia. I mean, we're we're seeing uh, excellent uh, reliability numbers from Lexus, Mazda, uh, and Toyota. They're the the top three spots. Um, and that that is you know, because they have really unlocked the key to consistently good reliability. However, if you are rooting for the home team, the domestics had a very good showing. Uh, models from from Buick, Chevrolet, Chrysler, and Ford all ranked very high in their respective rankings. Um, the Ford Bronco Sport, which is the smaller model, not the big Bronco, did very well in its first year for reliability. The Ford Mustang Mach-E, their all-electric SUV, also did well. But the Buick Envision, the Chevrolet Trailblazer, the 2500 series pickups from, from GM all did really well in Consumer Reports reliability surveys. And, and you know, listen, there's, there's really something for everyone. Uh, people are, are, are having to, to pay MSRP or above for a new car these days. So it's more important than ever to get the most reliable vehicle for your money. Very good. Mike Quincy for Consumer Reports. You can check out the consumerreports.org, the car blog. He's writing on that thing constantly. 
Mike, it's good to talk to you. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Mike. It's uh, 724 with Bax and Steve and Rock 102. This is Dave Miner from Dave Miner Exterior Home Improvements. There is still time for one more giveaway. I'm teaming up with Rock 102 again to give away another pair of tickets to see New England and Foxborough. Your chance to win is coming soon. Just keep listening to Rock 102. Here's why it's a smart move to custom order your Ford vehicle. You'll get your new Ford faster because your custom order receives priority. Plus, you'll get extra bonus cash on top of all public offers when you custom order select models. And you'll get exactly the features you choose. Your next step is to contact your New England Ford dealer and see how easy it is to custom order a new Ford built for you by you. It's uh, 727 with Baxon O'Brien to Rock 102. Going to be mostly sunny today with a high of 40 tomorrow. Snow is in the forecast. About an inch accumulation possible. High of 38. It's 36 right now in downtown Springfield. Yeah, I'm not even going to shovel that amount of snow. Yeah, you might have to. An inch, please. I'm going to let it melt naturally. Naturally? Yeah, you know, I'm going to allow the... uh, the global warming and, uh, you know. Uh, Here's what happens, though. You drive over that, and <clears throat> now you got icicles. You got ice. You got the sheet of ice under your uh, where your tires are. Yeah. And that's going to take longer to melt. Oh, Steve, you had to come up with a, some sort of cockamamie scientific answer, didn't you? Yeah. I was trying to blow leaves around yesterday against the wind. You know how well that works out? Not did, very well. Not very well. No. Unless you're blowing them in the direction of the wind. Yes, but I couldn't do that because that's not where the leaves were supposed to go. Oh, yeah. That's so a problem. I gave up uh, on that particular pile. It's kind of like trying to play a football game in that kind of wind. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you're limited to almost like uh, hardly any passes at all, kind of like they did last night in the Patriots game. I got this kick-ass leaf blower, this uh, backpack thing. Yeah. It, uh, it blows wet leaves, too. No kidding. Yeah. I got th- uh, but it doesn't... Uh, it do- it's always the directional thing. I always have a you know hard time blowing the pile in leaves of leaves away from you know to where I want it. Right. You know because it just goes everywhere. And then you got obstacles in the way. I got uh, we, we've got a handheld leaf blower. Yeah. But then we've also got one of those uh, walk behind leaf blowers. Yeah, but, those are good. But the tires are flat. I need new tires. What is going on at your house? Oh, my God, I don't know. And yeah, Listen, anytime i got to touch a piece of equipment, I break it. Okay, but you can also make an appointment. And uh, is there a place here in town that comes and picks it up and gets it all ready for you and sure. brings it back to you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You I could, could do, do that. that, too. I could do that. Yeah. That guy, or, uh, that guy picks stuff up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Or uh, you could just mow over the leaves and, and let uh, nature take its course and compost that, that rich nutrients into the soil. Yeah, but unfortunately you st- would have had to start doing that like two months ago. Because you can't just roll over leaves because all you're doing is just making a clumps of shredded mm. leaves. Well, here it is, uh, December 7th. Too late. No, it's not too late. There's you could go out there with the mower. No, no, it's too, I, not with the not with a possibly torn meniscus. I can't go out oh, there and mow. Sakes. Crying out loud, I'm tender. I'm I'm compromised. Let's start a GoFundMe to get uh, Bax's uh, yard work done. You know what? I like that idea. We yeah. should do. We should be doing that. I don't know why uh, someone hasn't uh, picked up on that idea. I don't know why you can't just hire somebody to come do it. Well, I could do that too, but uh, maybe the person I called didn't answer my calls. Although I did. <laughs> I heard a uh, an interesting uh, thing over Thanksgiving dinner. 
about, uh, yeah, you know, it was, my, it was my brother-in-law. He goes, hey, you know, how much do you think uh, it would cost to come pick up leaves in my yard, right? Sure. He's got about maybe, I don't know, half an acre in the backyard, right? Not that much? Uh, I said, I don't know, 1000 bucks. Right. Yes. Well, I figure it's about a thousand bucks. You get the you get four guys coming out there doing a job. And, sure. You know, it's well, depend, cost- it depends on who you hire. Some guys will do it a whole lot less. Yeah. Well, uh, this guy was five thousand dollars. Really? Yeah. For a half an acre? For a half an acre? It was. Re- I was like, "There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Five grand to pick up leaves in your yard. As a, you're being either being scammed or." Or that's the way that's the the pricing is. Going or is he? Right or now. is he? Pr- well, you know, the cost of fuel is up. You know, other supplies. You know, I mean, suppose it's possible, but well, five grand. I mean, he he wound up going uh, the smarter route, which was just renting the equipment and doing it himself. Yeah, but that's that requires well, a level of effort that even I wouldn't want to no, do. No, but if you can spend less than five hundred dollars to do it yourself, as a but sometimes it's worth it to pay. Like if it was a thousand bucks, that would be kind of worth it to me. That would be worth it. But you five know, five grand. You know, that sounds like someone who's jacking somebody simply because they're not on an annual contract. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people out there that are jacking up their prices because that's just the way of the world now. Mm. You know. Yeah, I could. I would never do that. First, well, I would never. I would never do that to mow lawns unless I could sit down in comfort and do it that way, which I you know. It's I can't I don't wanna You can't even do that. I don't even want to do that. It's seven thirty one. News is next to Rock One O Two. Seven thirty four with Baxon O'Brien to Rock One O Two. It's time for news and it is brought to you by Yankee Home Improvement, now offering forty percent off installation plus a free glass shower door while supplies last. Call Yankee Home right now and tell them you heard this ad on Rock One O Two. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. Last hour, we told you about the threat at Mohawk Regional High School, which we really didn't have any other details about. You and have details then, now? No, but uh, this could, seems to be a copycat type of thing this week. A group of high school students at the Whitman Hansen Regional School District will face unspecified charges after officials say they posted, video, uh, po- posted photos to social media of realistic-looking pellet gun and told peers not to come to school on Monday. Um, could uh, someone have screenshotted something from, yeah. say, Google Images, and uh, this might have been a a, uh, a non-threat? Mm, could be. The school was told around 9 a.m. Monday of a picture on social media of a threatening nature with the accompanying caption warning students not to be at school that day, according to District Superintendent Jeffrey Samanzik. Uh, the post uh, followed non-specific threats made against a number of school districts over the weekend. Whitman Hanson was not mentioned in the weekend threats, but police uh, already stationed at Whitman Regional Hanson High School are increased numbers as a precaution. Again, uh, you know, you have the school shooting last week in Michigan. I know. And, uh, I know. You know, you get all these kids going, hey, wouldn't this be funny if we can get out of class by uh, making a threat? It's not funny. It's, uh, it's not fun. Well, you remember, was it uh, a couple of years ago? Uh, Palmer High School was having that problem. Oh, it was like on a weekly basis over there. Absolutely. And, of course, you you can't not take the threat seriously. And you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You have to at least investigate the threat. This is a, this is kind of the same thing. But there's a very good chance, even a better chance, mm-hmm. that this is just a whole lot of nothing. Uh, Springfield Wharf 
Ward 4 City Council candidate Janai McDonald last week filed a complaint in Hamden Superior Court seeking to void her election loss to Mallow Brown based on allegations of a flawed absentee ballot system, election violations, and voter intimidation. McDonald asked the judge to consider the case and declare the election of the defendant void. The uh, complaint listed the city of Springfield and Brown as defendants. Brown, in an email response to the Republican, denied any wrongdoing at the polls. Brown said he ran a positive and clean campaign and accused McDonald of grandstanding after losing to him in two consecutive elections. Hmm. Neener, neener, neener. You lost. Get over it. Well, maybe there were uh, you know, egregious reasons why they lost that need to be corrected. Uh, city officials, including uh, city solicitor Ed Pakula, could not be reached for comment on Monday. McDonald previously filed complaints regarding the city election process in Brown with the state attorney general's office and the secretary of state's office. On December 1st, McDonald's request, the city's board of election commissioners did a manual recount of the Ward 4 council race, confirming Brown's re-election by a margin of 97 votes. Brown received 200, uh, 642 votes and McDonald received 545 votes. In her lawsuit, McDonald's asked the court not to allow Brown to be sworn into office in January and for the city council uh, to appoint an interim counselor to fill the seat until court the court renders a decision. Now, uh, it is, uh, if you can't prove that something bad happened, you can always run again, right? I guess so. I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just saying, you know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe it's someone who's just not happy they lost. Uh, McDonald alleges there were faults and discrepancies with uh, vote-by-mail absentee ballot notifications, application submissions, and ballot return procedures. He said some voters did not receive their ballots until the day of mail-in voting deadline and as late as Election Day. She alleged balloting irregularities, including changing the uh, ballot format without voter education. The city had new election machines this year. The city also failed, McDonald said, to stop and personalize voter intimidation and campaigning within 150 feet of polling locations, both things she accuses Mallow Brown of doing. Wait, isn't uh, Mallow uh, the Spanish word for bad? Uh, I don't. I don't know much Spanish, frankly, Steve. So I don't. Uh, I don't know if that is the Spanish word for bad. You know, my my apologies. I I took French. Oh, I'm going to look that up. Let's see. Yeah, look that up, because uh, uh, you might be onto something there. And let's see. In Spanish, right? Right? Right. Yeah, bad. Bad. It's bad. No kidding. He's bad brown. He's bad, bad, mallow brown. Baddest city councilor in the, the whole damn town. town. <laughs> Badder than an old Tim Rook. Uh, I, I can't finish the lyrics. But anyway, the... Uh, uh, McDonald accuses Brown of not living in Fort Ward for. Oh my God, she's got. Uh, there's all kinds of discrepancies uh, against this guy. Maybe she'll get her second, uh, well, her second recount. Hey, you never, you never know. Sometimes it might be worth the. Uh, it might be worth the fight. Yeah, I don't. You know, once they certify the votes, then that's it. Yeah, usually. You know, uh, I don't like the votes were obviously certified before. Well, wait, the election was just what, November? Is that what they're talking about? Um, it must be. Yes. Because if he's going to be certified by January. Then, then it was then no, it was November. I don't know. I just, I, I get so disinterested in these local politics. Uh, but all politics is local. Because it just seems like a big, uh, you did this to me uh, and you did this to me. 
Well, Steve, yeah. you know, uh, I, I am not aware that uh, you know this person ran uh, before. I, I think this is their first election. So, you know, if there are allegations of some uh, chicanery, uh, some sort of, uh, uh, you know, shenanigans that may have been going on as a result of this election process, then you have to wonder, well, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the whole system is broken. Maybe everything is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, screwed up. Yeah, it could be. And if could that's the case, well then maybe they've got a, a real argument. Uh, well, you could do what Larry David did while standing in line at the voting uh, line the other day. He uh, he asked the guy in front of him uh, at the very long line, uh, who are you voting for? And he said, you know, the other opponent. And he said, well, who are you voting for? And he's like, well, I'm voting for this guy. He's like, we cancel each other out. Let's not stand in this line. <laughs> and then Larry's <laughs> candidate lost by one vote. Right. Yeah. See? That's not the way it's supposed to work. Jurors in a police brutality trial Monday watched a half hour of video footage showing Springfield Police Detective Greg Bigda threatening uh, juvenile car theft suspects with beatings and fake drug charges. Bigda allegedly battered the boys and yelled, Welcome to white country! before swaggering into a police department uh, that wasn't his to bully the juveniles during what prosecutors argue were illegal interrogations. There were no adults present, no Miranda warnings. It wasn't even big, big as arrest, per se. Those tactics are solidly on the list of don'ts for police interrogation, according to Dr. Richard Leo, a University of San Francisco expert who has studied police interrogation tactics for more than 30 years. He was the second witness to testify for the government on the first day of testimony in Bigda's trial in, in uh, U.S. District Court. You fly some guy out from San Francisco. Well, I mean, you know, if you're trying to find an expert yeah. witness, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go big. Uh, according you to want, you want to have an expert that can't be refuted. According to Leo, Bigda did virtually everything wrong during the interrogations. Although Leo did not testify about the Palmer video footage specifically, Tim Flaherty, a lawyer for Bigda, argued to jurors that the investigation was tainted by public opinion. The uh, case was based on a biased investigation with a predetermined conclusion. Flaherty told jurors, "You need to evaluate this case." Uh, through not passion, not prejudice, but proof. Bigda has maintained his innocence, the defense uh, attorney told the panel. Yeah, that's all, uh, you know, I guess you could say the media might have had something to do with the public opinion of you, but then when you have video evidence of you saying, uh, hmm. welcome to White Town. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to fight that when you've got the evidence and everyone's heard the audio. Yeah. It's kind of hard to say, well, you know, people are jumping to conclusions. The, really? Uh, <laughs> the trial is six years coming after a chaotic night that began with a routine dinner run for the Springfield Police Narcotics Unit and resulted in layers of catastrophe for the embattled department. The indictment, uh, or I'm sorry, the incident also served to pique the interest of the U.S. Department of Justice and dozens of Springfield police officers were hauled into a grand jury as a result. The Department of Justice issued a wholly unflattering review of the narcotics unit last year, portraying it as something of a rogue unit whose members routinely used excessive force and punched suspects in their heads during arrests. Springfield police officials have argued the report was factually flawed and unfair. Well, and this is why we're in court. Yes, that's, and, that's, and that's why it's taken years for this to happen. How, when, when, when did this occur? This is like a, six years ago. Six years ago. So 2015. And uh, here we are, still trying to resolve the case. Yeah, well, it's a mess. 
police in Altoona, Pennsylvania, were called to a bowling alley last weekend after people reported that a man was threatening people with a gun. When they arrived, they encountered a 32-year-old man named Timothy King Jr., and when he saw them, he bolted. Uh, the police chased him on foot, but even after they caught up with him, he refused to go down without a fight. Timothy tried grabbing one officer's gun, which was in its holster. The officer responded by throwing him down with a hip toss. Damn. Wow. That's some uh, good skills. Timothy then kicked the officer and managed to headbutt him before they, uh, before they finally pepper sprayed him and restrained him. Not surprisingly, the officer said Timothy appeared to be very intoxicated. He was arrested and is currently being held on $100,000 bail. All that over a bowling alley fight. Yeah, I've seen some pretty big dust-ups in a bowling alley. I was at, uh, we went through, uh, Barry and I, we drove through Great Barrington last week, going to that uh, Eyes Wide Shut uh, <laughs> mansion out in the middle of the woods. Yes. And um, there was this, like, it, it, Great Barrington has one of those old bowling alleys, like, I don't know. It just looks like it's something out of the fifties. Kind of like what I mean? it, it was like a, a bar that had a bowling alley. Yeah, in it. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. As yeah. opposed to a bowling alley that had a bar. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to go in there. That's where that's where all the locals go. I'll tell you something. Uh, sometimes that's the most fun. Those kinds of bowling alleys. Yeah. Well, uh, you know that that's the that's it's when you go to these big fancy ones with the video games and the laser tag and all that stuff. Yeah, that's right. more for like the kids. Right? Those yeah. Are, those, are, those are nice, but they're they're more for the kids. You want to go to the old bowling alley where you go still write with pencil on the clear paper that goes over yeah, the overhead they, machine. They don't do any of that uh, electronic scoring garbage. It's all all done with the, the old math. Do you know how to score bowling? Up until the math part of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. When the like, math when the math kicks in, that's that's when I'm probably not the best guy to keep score. I never really understood how that worked. You know, well, which part? Like if you get like well, a, like if you uh, let's say you knock down three pins, right? Then you need to practice more. And then well, okay, and then in the second you know turn, you knock down no pins. Right? Then you'd probably so then be you, kicked off the league, would be uh, my guess. I get what you're saying, but you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? You're talking about how do you score that on the yes. next frame. Yeah, so how, what, is, what does that become? A three? That so becomes a three. Three. Right. And then well, where do you get 300 from? Well, see, again, in you order to get a 300, you're talking about a, 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 a bunch of strikes in a row. Right. Okay, so every time you get a strike, you get to score points... You know, in, uh, in 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 each frame, based on your next roll in the next frame, and if you do it mathematically, which I have never done, nor have I ever uh, scored it out mathematically, it equals three hundred. It's the very best score you can get. Yes, but it's ten, ten pins per frame. Yes. So if you knock, if you get a strike on every frame, that's three hundred. If you sc- yes, because on your next roll, you get scored. The ten, the ten pins on the previous frame. So you get twenty. Is that how you add it up? I believe that that would be correct. I don't think you know what you're talking Again, about. Again, well, why are you testing me with math? Well, why are you admitting that you think? Yeah, I think that's the way it goes. If Listen, you don't know, it's okay to say I everything don't know. I know about properly scoring bowling is from what I learned by playing Wii bowling. So take that yes, with a grain that of salt. Yes, but that doesn't explain the scoring part. I, I just I, I, the idea that you say, yeah, yeah, that's how it works, and then 
in the next sentence say, I don't really know how that works. Just say you don't know from the, the get-go. Okay, then I, know I don't know. I know you're looking it up I now. am not. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely not. Let's see if I can try to explain this. No, I'm not looking he, it up, yes, Steve. He, folks, he's looking it up. <sighs> the thing is, you need two more shots at the end of the entire uh, the entire. Yeah, see, frame. that's what that, that's you know what I, mean? I don't get. Like, okay. even if you did 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 times ten, yeah, there's a hundred. Well, the tenth frame consists of at least two and possibly three shots. If oh. you're on your way to three hundred, then it only makes sense that you add up all the uh, all the pins you've knocked over for the entire game, and it adds up to three hundred. No, twelve was... strikes to three hundred. If you start a game with ten strikes in a row, you're doing pretty good for yourself, but you haven't reached perfection yet. I don't think you know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, gee, Steve, how much more can I possibly explain I don't it know. to you? I don't know what I'm talking about. That's why I'm asking. You got to need. You got to get 12 strikes to reach a perfect 300. Look, we that's have, it. We have a bowling expert on the phone. Go ahead, pick that oh, up. For crying out loud, uh, Rock 102. Good morning. Who's this? This is John. I want to explain the math to these guys about bowling. All right, you're on the air right yeah, now, do, John. Do and this, I, do and this I, quickly. Do the, yes, please. When you do Ted Pitt. You're getting, in effect, three tosses, even though you only get two tosses per frame. So you strike in frame one. That means you have two bonus balls. When you go to frame two, you strike again. You filled in one of the uh, balls in frame one because, in effect, you're supposed to have three frames in frame one to make the perfect 30. So... Frame two is first bonus ball. Frame three is second bonus ball. So you're striking out. You're knocking them down dead. So now, after frame three, you just filled in frame one. You have one bonus ball left on frame two, two bonus balls left on frame three. Now, follow the progression. Frame four fills out frame two. Follow five fills out frame three. All the way until the ninth. Frame, they call it the foundation frame. And trust me, Vax knows firsthand I know foundations. Yes. Yeah. He knows a thing or two about foundations. And let me tell you something, Steve. I think what I was trying to tell you was probably uh, close to what John here was saying. Right, John? Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> you have to get to frame 10 with a perfect run because at that point now you filled in frame eight you have one bonus ball on frame nine you just struck one on frame ten so now ball two because all point because that fills in frame nine and then the last ball which is actually the technically the twelfth ball you have thrown fills in frame ten giving you the 300. It's 10 frames, but in a perfect game, you're still throwing the ball, not 10, not 11, but 12 times. Yeah, you know Steve, what? I think capiche. You, I think you and Banks should go bowling together and discuss all of this. Yeah, let's go. You and me. We'll, do a, we'll keggle a couple of frames and see how we do. You call my number. You pick the time you 
All right. Okay. Thanks for uh, for working that out. There you go. See, I like, perfect. I, I, I don't like being more confused after. Uh, Steve, he couldn't. He, he couldn't have described it any simpler. I didn't understand that. Yeah, you, you don't get three tries in the beginning. You only get two tries in the beginning. You get two tries. That's it. You don't get the ball three times in the first frame. Yeah, but the th- if you notice, there's three squares, right, on, on your scoring sheet. Yeah. Okay? So, if so, like, let's say, for example, you get a spare. Yeah. All right? And your first roll of the, of the second frame, whatever you get in that first roll, you put that number of points on the third box of the previous, of the previous square. So, there you go. So, then, so, if you, like, for example, let's say after the spare, I roll a seven. I put the seven in the in the uh, in the first frame, there, and I take those seven points. I've I've lost interest. Uh, in it's I bowling. Know. I know. I've it's lost the most inter- exciting game in the world, uh, Steve. I, I've, I, next time I go bowling, I'm going to one of the fancy places with the screens that do it for you. <laughs> because I just want to see the big turkey come out on the screen. Will you stop? Gobble gobble. It's uh, <laughs> forecast brought to you by. This is the stupidest conversation we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> the forecast is brought to you by Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Look for the black and white can now at every... And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Blow with the king of snow. Get an errands at Rocky's. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you, folks? Let's take a look at what just happened. The Patriots facing perhaps the biggest game of the year went into hostile territory to play a team that was not only picked to win the division, but needed the win more than they did. Rather than panic over the situation or overreact to the fact that they'd be fighting 40-mile-an-hour wind gusts all night, the Patriots switched it up, made adjustments, and executed one of the greatest game plans of Bill Belichick's moderately successful career by running the football right down their throats all night long. Last night, the Patriots not only beat the Buffalo Bills 14-10, they've now won seven straight games, not by allowing Mac Jones to air things out and chucking footballs all over the place, but by holding him to just three passing attempts and two completions. That happens to be the lowest number of attempt passes in Patriots team history and the lowest number of completions since 1974. When Joe Ferguson of the Buffalo Bills attempted two passes and completed none of them and still beat the New York Jets 16-12 against Joe Namath, who completed two passes on 18 attempts that night. The win not only gives the Patriots sole possession of first place in the AFC East, they did it by doing things like rushing the football for 222 yards and playing great defense. In other words, they won the game without having to rely on a quarterback to fight through the wind and win an important football game. Instead, it was like it was a full team effort. Now you can say the game lacks some of the normal offensive thrills and excitement that you've grown accustomed to over the last two decades, but honestly, this was a classic Bill Belichick football game, taking into account the brutal conditions, the players on the field, and all of Buffalo's many recent deficiencies. This was probably among the greatest regular season wins of Bill Belichick's career and a resume that's had his fair share of really good games. Having said that, I still think the Detroit Lions winning their first game in over a year is still the game of the week, but I'd say that this one was a pretty close second. But hey, and of my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. So you want to paint the bedroom lavender? What color should you paint the trim? Go see Nikki at the East Lawn Meadow Rockies. Nikki's good with colors and design ideas. Good people paint people like Nikki and rock solid service at every Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch.
Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 814 and the Jay Giles Band at Rock 102. Going to be sunny today with a high of four. <clears throat> wow. What was that all about? Yeah, a little, uh, got a little frog stuck in my throat. That's what Miss Piggy said. Yes, that's true. Uh, Sunny and cold today with a high of 40. Tomorrow, snow showers with an inch accumulation possible. High of 38. 36 right now in downtown Springfield. It is time for Am I the A-Hole? How about that? Good. That's that's the best intro we can come up with. Well, we'll come up with something, but uh, for the time being, this is the best we got. Uh, I am a second grade teacher in a very urban district. This is another person speaking. It's I was going to say, I didn't realize you were a teacher. This will be my 12th year teaching. I have a mix of students from all different backgrounds and religions. Almost all of my students come from significantly low-income households. I'm also a very devout Catholic. You'll see how this ties in. During the holiday season, I've learned over the years to steer away from uh, anything Santa gifts Christmas and focus on things like gingerbread, snow, hot cocoa, winter polar bears because it's more inclusive and it doesn't make anyone feel left out because you get different religions who don't sure. believe in things and whatnot. There you go. Uh, I, and who doesn't love uh, hot cocoa and candy canes? That's true because uh, she's had students uh, tell them in the past that her families don't celebrate Christmas, they don't get gifts, but then all the other kids in the classmates do get gifts, and there's a little discrepancy going right. on. Uh, this year, uh, I have three Jehovah's Witnesses in my class. <laughs> Good luck with that, lady. Do they knock on the uh, on the door of the school every Saturday just to see who's still in there? Yeah, they're proselytizing. There's no proselytizing outside of the school, you know. I'll be damned. Uh, they do not celebrate holidays, and their parents uh, both let me know and wanted me uh, wanted to make me aware at the start of the year. My coworker decided to ask her family and friends for money and donations so she could buy each student Christmas presents that she will wrap. My other coworker decided to follow her and do the same. They both have Christmas trees in their classroom. I told them I felt uncomfortable having a tree and buying presents because my students have different religions, and I was planning on surprising the class with a new set of markers and crayons as a little surprise. Okay. So what's the problem? They decided to tell me that they're giving me their leftover donation money, and they want me to do it because it's not fair to my kids and to just leave the Jehovah's out of it or uh, do it behind their back so they don't know. I think it's not fair to anyone, that, and I am uh, incredibly torn. I just feel uncomfortable. I try my hardest to do fun seasonal activities that can include everyone. I plan on having a snow day party with the uh, hot cocoa, and we'll, uh, we will decorate with snowmen. I also want to buy them some new crayons to use. Out of everyone I work with, I would say I'm the most religious, but I believe Christmas is something you celebrate with your family, and that is your special religious belief. I also think my students should all feel included. Am I the a-hole? I don't, to, I don't, to be honest, I don't think she is. I don't think so either. No. I think she's kind of doing things the way you should be. Let's say uh, you got a class. So it's a mixed bag of people. Right. You know, uh, whether it be Jewish or Jehovah's Witness, or and then you got the, the Catholics mis- mixed in there. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a joke. I never really understood, and uh, you know, it didn't happen with every teacher. I never really understood why we were celebrating holidays in class. Anyway, because uh, didn't you also like uh, celebrate Valentine's Day? And you were told if you're going to do a Valentine's Day, every single kid's got to get a Valentine. No one can be left out because that would be bad for their self-esteem. Like Ralph Wiggum got that one Valentine from Lisa Simpson. The, the one that says, I choo, choo, choose me. Yeah, yeah right. She choo, choo, chooses me. See, I like that one. Yeah, but it's like uh, I, I, mean, I guess I never really understood the, uh, you know, why a teacher has to do that. 
why there why there feels why there why any teacher feels compelled that it needs to be done. I remember uh, like we used to celebrate birthdays in the classroom, and then the one kid who was Jehovah's Witness had to leave the classroom while we all ate cupcakes. How horrible was that? That's awful. It is really. I remember this girl. Uh, they were they told her, "Well, you can go down to the office while we all enjoy cupcakes." And we sat there and we sang "Happy Birthday." Yeah, and we. we uh, you know, we did, we critiqued the mom's cupcakes, whoever the mom was that made them. You know, this is like the same thing. Like, uh, like I, I didn't understand, uh, like, uh, like goodie bags after 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 birthday parties. Like, it's almost like a, you know, it's an obligation. Like, and I don't yeah. know why. Like, a teacher would feel like they had to have the obligation to celebrate something, <laughs> especially if it winds up excluding somebody else. I never really, I never really got, uh, really figured that out, and and why, like say for example, you have uh, like multiple teachers. Do you celebrate a different birthday in every room for every kid? I would say not necessary. Yeah, but that's what they used to do. I know it's what they used to do. I just, but even then, it was like, hey, is everybody getting uh, enough out of this? And why are these Christmas gifts from the teachers so crappy? And I, I think these other teachers are the a-holes because, you know, you're forcing somebody to do something who doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And she's got other ideas. I think uh, the idea that she's going to be buying crayons and supplies for the classroom was was a better deal than, uh, you know, coming up with, oh, here's some candy that you don't need. Yeah. You want to you really uh, make me feel good around the holidays? How about popping in a movie rather than teaching us stuff? And it doesn't even have to be a Christmas movie. It could be any... It could be like a like a nature film or a, you know, a film strip, anything that where education isn't actually happening. I remember watching Glory. Glory. Yeah, well, right. we were learning about the the Civil War. Well, that's a good movie to show. Uh, yeah, especially you know to a bunch of twelve year olds when the guy's head gets blown off in the first five seconds of the movie. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, we, and all the guys were like, "Awesome!" Right. And all the girls were like, "Ew, that's gross." What about Blue Velvet? You can show Blue Velvet to the kids. No, I don't know if you can show Blue Velvet to the kids. We also watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which I thought was a little edgy for a bunch of sixth, sixth graders. Really? Yeah. I, first of all, I'm stunned that you were in sixth grade at the time that movie came out. Yes, I suppose well, that would make sense. That movie had been out for well over a year, so oh, it actually came God. out when I was in fifth grade, and uh, we were just watching it in sixth grade. Because it was out on VHS. <laughs> well, yeah. but you know, I mean, I, I would almost prefer that than yeah. you know whether you got you know Christmas cookies for everybody or whether everyone's getting a gift from the teacher. And by the way, not for nothing, but it's not like teachers are making so much money that they can give gifts to all twenty-four students in the classroom. Yeah, you know, where do you think these teachers are coming up with? With all this cash, I mean, I realized they had like a like a what do you say like it was a fundraiser, yeah, uh, for for teachers to tap into, right? I mean, a lot of times these teachers are paying out of their own pocket for well, stuff, and that's why I give her a lot of credit for buying the school supplies with the money versus buying you know stuff that these kids are going to throw away in two seconds later anyway. Yeah, or stuff that's going to rot their teeth out. Yeah, do you, you want your kids to rot your teeth out? Crayons and pencils and uh, drawing implements. Yeah, stuff are, that's are, actually going to help them learn stuff. That's that, what your job is. It's not to feed them with crap. Well, I mean, other than the 
education you're giving them. Well, and that's the other thing. If you're going to get crap in all the other classrooms, you know, there's another teacher. There's probably a gym teacher who's handing out lollipops or something, uh, something festive for the holidays. Right. Like, uh, it's okay to see other people not do those things. Yeah, I, I would be, I, I think uh, there's nothing wrong with this woman's uh, position on this at all. I think my kids, uh, like they, like for Halloween, they don't let them dress up for Halloween. They don't want to make it like a Halloween day. Right. So they they do like spirit weeks. You know, on Monday you can wear crazy hats. On or Tuesday like a, like a pajama day or something like that. Crazy socks or something like that. That's much more efficient. I, I don't recall my kids being particularly disappointed when those kinds of uh, celebrations stopped at school. No. I think they're more disappointed when they ended recess. Yeah. You know, that's the, you know, that affected kids on a psychological level. We only get 15 minutes out here? Are you kidding me? <laughs> what do you mean we don't get recess in high school? This is an outrage. I, by the time I got to high school, I, all I wanted to do was take a nap after lunch. Oh, I was yeah, because you're exhausted. So I, uh, I, I, uh, by junior year, when you could actually start manipulating your own schedule a little bit, yeah. I chose the study hall after lunch. Smart. Very you could, smart. You could put your head back and sleep. That's it. It's fantastic. Pretend like you're studying for something. Yep. <laughs> Great scam. Well, there you go. That's another segment of uh, Am I the A-Hole? It's 824 on Rock 102. Getting the vaccine. The most common one reported is a sore arm. Some people experience flu-like symptoms, such as tiredness, fever, or headache, that usually last less than 48 hours. These are signs that the vaccine is teaching your body how to produce an immune response to fight off COVID. The risk of a serious side effect like myocarditis or blood clots is less than 0.001%. Want to know more? Get reliable information at mass.gov slash COVID vaccine FAQ. 833 with Bax and O'Brien to Rock 102. It's time for news, and it is brought to you by Table and Vine for the best deals in town and expert advice. Only at Table and Vine, Riverdale Street in West Springfield, or at tableandvine.com. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. Two residents from a halfway house in Springfield are displaced after the residents caught fire early this morning. Firefighters have since left the scene but started working on the fire on Alden Street uh, just after 5 a.m., while a statement has not been issued by the fire department, uh, 22 News uh, reporter Katrina Kincaid was on location at the scene of the fire. Really? She must have something to say. Uh, no, she didn't have anything to say. She didn't? No. 22 News reports that fire crews are on the second floor of the home on Alden Street. While there do not seem to be many flames uh, coming from the building, multiple fire crews are on the scene. Fire crews said the uh, home is actually run by a Behavioral Health Network. And there were two people who were living there at the time. The owners of the building said it operated as a halfway house for people in need. Oh, so they only get half the assistance by the Red Cross when they get out? No, I think they get everything. Uh, the owners of the home uh, said that there is uh, somebody coming to assist the two displaced so they can find housing. No injuries were reported. Uh, Springfield, is, a man from Springfield, has been arrested in connection with a Lowell Street shooting that took place Saturday evening. Springfield Police uh, spokesperson Ryan Walsh released a statement Saturday night stating at around 6.10 p.m. officers reported a gun call on Lowell Street. According to Walsh, uh, when the officer arrived, a car was seen leaving the area. A passenger in that car pointed a gun out the window. Again, they have not updated this story. There was no shot fired from the car. And this is updated at 7.42 p.m. last night, even after they had the press conference and so, <laughs> with the commissioner that said that there was nobody actually fired at. 
I mean, well, you, pointing you know, a gun at somebody is completely wrong anyway. That's, yeah. that's the I get it. That's the illegal part. But to say that there was a shot fired, then to redact that and say there was no shot fired, but and then, then to not have keep the, it redacted the, for uh, follow-ups. The updated story. Yeah, what the hell it. is going on around this town? I don't know. I don't know. They, you know, you, you, the police don't give you enough information, and then when you have the information, you don't change your information when they do give you more information. I, I see. I think there's. I think there's blame on both sides to go here. Probably. You know, a uh, woman from Springfield was arrested after removing her GPS bracelet Monday morning. Oh, uh, we just got that from you. Uh, uh, well, it didn't go with any of her other accessories. She went to Jared. <laughs> A beautiful bracelet. Now Jared was the uh, was the uh, PO. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. At around 8:30 a.m., members of the Springfield Police Department's Firearms Investigation Unit, uh, Mass State Police (VFAS), all these other agencies. I'm not even going to read them all. They're all cops, and they're all helping out. Uh, arrested 22-year-old Alyssa Santos at the intersection of Westford Circle and Braddock Street. According to uh, Ryan Walsh, Santos had multiple outstanding warrants for removing her ankle bracelet for a home invasion charge and firearm-related offenses. Hamden County uh, Deputy Sheriff observed Santos get into her car and drive away in the area of Oakland and Dickinson Streets. Santos parked on Westford Circle, and the Deputy Sheriff activated his emergency equipment as more officers arrived. During the search of the car, a loaded ghost gun, ghost gun, ghosts, was located under the driver's seat. Approximately 46 grams of cocaine, approximately 20 grams of crack cocaine, oxycodone, and quetiapine pills. The I don't know what hell that is. is that. Along with $1,823 uh, in cash. Let's see what quetiapine. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's an antipsychotic medication used to treat schizophrenia. Well, that sounds like something that might actually have a practical use. Yeah, it could have, uh, could have worked. Uh, she's, uh, she's got all these arrest warrants. She's, uh, she's now uh, back in jail. Um, and she's got to pay for that bracelet she took off, too. Yeah, you got to pay for the destruction of that, right? Yes, you do. Yeah, because those things don't come cheap. I would imagine. Those are quite a few. Don't uh, those require, like, uh, at least a two-month salary? Isn't that what they tell you? I think it's three-month salary, and uh, now it's probably six-month salary. Oh, my gosh. How else can three months' salary last that is for a lot. two years, at least in the Hamden County House of Correction? Yeah, someone just said an ankle bracelet. So that's what she was doing in Westfield. Yeah, no, right. I don't no, think no, so. No, he doesn't sell those. I don't think so. Uh, the Longmeadow Police and the town's animal control are asking people to not feed the ducks in the conservation area of the town. Animal control are attempting to rescue a group of domesticated ducks which are believed to have been abandoned in the conservation area. Mm. Police are asking anyone in the area not to feed the ducks so that animal control can safely capture the ducks and place the endangered birds into the rescue. Steve, as you know, I have, uh, I have count, uh, recounted multiple times uh, the time that I was viciously attacked as a five-year-old boy mm -hmm. by savage ducks in near a pond. I've told that story. Yeah, I know. And uh, my, you survived. I did. My grandfather uh, had to kick the duck's head off of my finger as it tried to swallow me whole. I think you're just a big pussy. That's no, Steve. At five years old, what was I supposed to know? I just had myself a like a like a bag of old stale Wonder Bread, innocently feeding a duck when this savage, bloodthirsty duck grabbed the hold of my finger and would not let go. Threw a chain link fence, a little bastard. 
My grandfather was not the kind of man to put up with a lot of shenanigans from some sort of waterfowl. So did he kick the ducks? He kicked the duck in the head until he let go, until the duck said, this old man is going to keep on going. I might as well just go bite some other young child, some innocent youth. Speaking of uh, that, I saw a video yesterday of this guy who's out on the street, right? Yeah. And these three big dogs start running down. Like, they clearly got out from somewhere. Right. And were running down the street of this city. And this guy is, like, freaking out because he doesn't know where to go. Right. So he grabs this, like, two-by-four that was nearby and jumps up on the hood of the car. Yes. And the dogs are, like, jumping up at him, like, ready to, like, maul this guy. He knocks every one of them out with the, with the wood. And it was awful to see, but you know what? That's a life-or-death situation. Well. Because whether or not dogs will, uh, they're not going to eat you, but they will maul you. Yeah, they'll, call, they'll, they'll mess yeah. you up big time. They don't care. Let me tell you something. Savage dogs can be, uh, they can attack you brutally. Remember what it did to, to John's arm? Yeah. Bradley ripped it to shreds. That's hardly, uh, it's hardly quite what I faced back in the early 70s with my grandfather, Harold Baxendale, saved my life from a bloodthirsty duck. Is he still around? No. What did no. he die of? Uh, he died of a brain embolism, if I'm not mistaken. And but you couldn't return the favor and save him from the brain embolism. There was nothing to kick, Steve. That's the difference. If a if a if a bloodthirsty duck were uh, were going after my grandfather today, there would be some recompense. I would I would keep I would I would drop the gloves and show that duck who's boss. I would think most people, after having that duck uh, death experience. And, and being saved by somebody, you would dedicate your life to becoming some sort of medical doctor to make sure this man never dies and never leaves me. Yeah, well, this uh, that was kind of out of my hands. And I was also long out of town, too. But what are you going to do? Uh, state police and several local police departments are investigating a report of a potential threat of violence at the Mohawk Trail Regional School on Monday. A spokesperson, Lori Lazelle, from the Northwestern DA's office, a group of students came forward around 1.30 p.m. Monday afternoon to report a potential threat. School officials informed police who then sent, uh, who were then sent to the school for the remainder of the day. Police will stay at the school all day today as well as a precaution. Parents were notified of the situation on Monday afternoon in an email from the superintendent stating Mohawk Trail's regional school administration responded quickly, yada, 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 nobody's, uh, nobody's in danger, and blah, 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 blah. It's the same thing that they release all the time. Nobody got hurt. We don't know what's going on. So we're just going to look into it more. Yeah. That's all they need to say. Wouldn't it be uh, press releases would be so much quicker if I wrote them? They probably write the, a lot more to the point. Well, you can do the who, what, when, where, and why. Right. Within a paragraph. Less than three sentences. Right. Uh, some kid wrote a threat. Uh, some of the kids saw the threat. And then uh, now the police are at the school. We're okay. See that would be, that'd be all you would need to know. It would be all you need to know. I just uh, I, I appreciate a little more efficiency with the news reporting around here, especially from the from the horse's mouth that it's coming from. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, let's see. Uh, a new study found that uh, if you want to get ahead at work, you can just point out what's wrong and how to fix it. You might need to coddle your coworkers and be supportive of their work, even if it sucks. Researchers at Iowa State found that uh, using a supportive tone, which they called supportive voice, 
tends to be better than a challenging voice. Challenging voice means you point out what's wrong and how to fix it. Supportive voice means you still do that, but in a way that's more positive and focuses on what's going right. They, uh, they found that using a challenging tone does have its benefits, like making you seem more competent and cap capable, but we're more likely to want to work and collaborate with people who approach things in a supportive way. Ideally, you have a, per a perfect mix of both. It's just hard to do, so trying to be more supportive is a good default. Good point. Yeah, is yeah. it? Yeah, I guess it's okay. Well, I know that uh, you're doing so well over there, Bax. <laughs> Your numbers you might want to work on, but it's, everything is working it, it, out just fine. When yeah. you're throwing numbers at me, it's 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 like uh, I can't connect. But I could I could score a bowling uh, a bowling game. That's simple math. You can't do that either. Sure, I could. No, you couldn't. Well, no, well, up until the end. Up, right. up until the point where the numbers start getting large. Uh. It was. I'm going on to another story. You ready? I'm ready. It was the night I slept with 14 men that I first started to try to work out how many partners I've been with. Okay, hold on. Stop. Yeah. The night the I night. slept with 14 men. Yeah, yeah. That's when you. That's when you know, she's the one. <laughs> <laughs> My. Uh... That's the night you know. <laughs> This is the real one. My conservative estimate is about 100 guys a year for more than three decades. I'm 63 now, and I've slowed down a little, but only a little. Why do I do it? Having sex isn't something I do for a living, but it is my passion. It's the most enjoyable, exhilarating, satisfying way to spend your time. Some women like yoga or badminton. I like carnality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, what I'm talking about. So what is uh what is the limit uh you think when you say at this point she might not be the one? Um well, I mean, she, how, what's the what's the the number got to be when you say when you start to be a little suspicious that she's sleeping with a lot of guys? Yes. Well, here's the thing. The husband is in on it. He's into it. it. I'm actually married. Barry and I have been together since I was 15. We wed when I was 19. We have two grandchildren, and he is my world. But neither of us puts sex on a pedestal. We see it for what it is. Well, of separate, course you don't. Separate put it from in, love. Of course you don't put it on a pedestal. She'd likely <laughs> fall off. It's not, it's not natural. It's, uh, it's not natural to stick with one sexual partner for 60 years. Life is about experimenting and experiencing, and that's what we do. Barry goes with other women. I don't get jealous because I know he loves me. Until the age of 28, I'd only been with him and we had terrific sex. But one day he brought me uh, home, brought home a swingers magazine he picked up from a co-worker. He sort of joked, we should try it. I told him not to be daft, and he never mentioned it again. Mm. But then, one night, they were out, and they met up with this other couple, and magic started happening, and that's when she knew that this was her mission in life, is to have sex with as many men as possible. You know, uh, the New York Daily News not that long ago did a survey that says the average woman has about eight sex partners. Mm -hmm. This woman obliterated those numbers in a single night. Yeah. And... Oh, 14 guys. 14 guys. Hundreds of... Hundred of yeah. hundred men a year. You know, um, the idea <laughs> that you're saying it's... I slept with. You didn't sleep. Yeah, there was no at sleeping. All. Like, that, that was a that was a twenty four hour Florabama gangbang going on there. Hundred guys a year. Yeah. 
Uh, we're safety conscious, and I've never felt in any danger. Barry is normally in the same room or not too far away. I've recently had a knee operation, which means I'm with uh, I'm walking with a stick. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, I hope this, this doesn't chick, hurt. Yeah, I hope this doesn't hurt her reputation. Man, you had me with walking stick. Do you ever um, uh, get hungry, and uh, you, and the only thing in the house is like a, like a hot dog, mm-hmm. and you, and you put it in the microwave, and you, and you leave it in the microwave for just a little bit too long? Yes. Why do I get the feeling this would be like putting a microwave in for too long? If you were with this woman, it it uh, it it probably would look like that. It's just the idea that you know you're describing yourself in almost a disabled manner, but saying <laughs> I want more. Yeah, I haven't had enough because I think I think there's going to come a time when that one guy will show up and he'll he will change everything. It's like uh, at this point, it's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. If you know what I'm saying, bro. Yeah, a uh-huh. hot dog that's been in the microwave for too long. Yeah, the uh, sloppa Lucy, if you know what I'm talk- <laughs> talking about. The flabby knocker. The sh- the stretchage astrodome. <laughs> the beefy chops. <laughs> the Lucy Goosey. The meat locker. Yes. Yeah. Steve, yes. Wasn't that a movie with the. <laughs> the meat locker? The hurt meat locker? I don't remember. Uh, let's see. I, I come up with a uh, squaggy. No, I can't say that word. Yeah, these, these are the ones you can say. Oh, wizard sleeve. Ah, or yeah, clown's so... per pocket. Oh, or, uh, <laughs> or chopping parsley. What else you got, Steve? I got nothing. Oh, we got the forecast <laughs> today, which is going to be mostly sunny and a high of 40. Two-finger squishman is my favorite. Uh, tomorrow, some snow showers with an inch accumulation possible. It's 36 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the